Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. First pitch here from Barrios is a breaking ball slash to left field. So, Robert hits a mistake on a curve. Barrios tried to sneak over a breaking ball first pitch strike, and he didn't sneak anything as we will watch the chain of custody. We missed it so much. Moncada says this is yours and then wants to give it away very quickly. Hey, Luis, I got this for you. Here's somebody take this. Luis Robert gone to center field. Way back there. It carries and gets out of here. Find that baseball and hand it to number 88. Bring him home for the first time as a White Sox player. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Man, that's a, a bit of Luis Roberts' week. His 10 days, eight games, just an incredible start for Luis Robert. Good morning, everybody. It is Matt Spiegel here on Hit and Run. A lot of Cubs, a lot of White Sox today, and some COVID, of course, as we figure out whether baseball will keep going or not. At this point, I think they will keep going. The Phillies reported no positive tests for three consecutive days. They did have two positive tests yesterday but they were both false. They were false positives because they were using a local lab and doing the rapid test. So no positives for three days in a row means their season is going to resume and maybe they withstood playing against the Marlins in the midst of their Marlins outbreak. Cardinals and Brewers canceled again today. It was supposed to be a double header. We have 33 postponements so far coming into the day in baseball but they are committed to moving forward and they think it's survivable. So onward we go and we talk about our teams and we talk about that man at the top of the order. He's been a leadoff hitter in the minors. He's not your prototypical leadoff hitter. There aren't many of those in baseball anymore. Luis doesn't walk a lot. Very, very rarely. He doesn't see a lot of pitches, in fact. He's very aggressive, but... He's also really, really good. So it it has become in vogue to put your best guys towards the top. So they get the most plate appearances over the course of a season, over the course of a night. And also Luis is very fast and aggressive on the base paths if he gets on. So that's nice to have up top. He's also terrifying for the opposing pitchers these days. So that's good to have. 
Should he hit leadoff is a conversation that's been going on in the offseason, and it, it didn't really happen that much over the past nine days because Tim Anderson's there. That is a reigning batting champion who has looked very good right away, um, is in, in a lot of ways the emotional center of that team, very popular, very likable guy, hitting at the top of the order, but then he goes on the injured list yesterday or two days ago with the um, the strain of the groin. And so Luis is going to hit leadoff. First of all, a lot of people have not been wanting that to happen and have been saying, just leave him down there at seven or eight or whatever. Just let him, let him learn the game. And I was in that camp. Joe Sheehan, who joins Dan Bernstein often to talk baseball, was in that camp. This is Joe Sheehan uh, Friday talking about whether to move Luis Robert to leadoff or not. You look at the six guys ahead of him most days. I mean, should you hit him ahead of Eloy? Maybe. I don't think I want to hit him ahead of Grandal because Grandal's got all that OBP. I want the OBP hitting front of Robert at this point because he's still a batting average slugging guy who's not going to walk a ton. So, I don't know. I mean, you know, if Tim Anderson isn't last year's Tim Anderson, should Robert be hitting leadoff? Maybe. Uh, I think six games into the season is a little early to start flipping the lap. And I understand it's a 60-game season, but you know, baseball's still baseball. It's not... You know, six times 2.7 games. It's still just six games, 20 at-bats, what have you. So I understand that thought process and not wanting to move him. But then there's no Tim Anderson, and it's because of injury, and there goes Luis. And so what did Luis do? Well, he hit a home run to the opposite field. He doubled twice. He drove in two. I think he's obviously scored two. He goes four for six. And... It's, it just, he said he felt calm before the game. He sure as hell looked calm there during. He's got a very special mentality and confidence and has shown it every step of the way. From when they scouted him at the very beginning and made the decision to spend $52 million on him. Remember, this is a great acquisition by the White Sox. Everybody wanted him, but they got in there and were aggressive. They spent $26 million as a penalty for exceeding the international bonus pool and $26 million for Robert's contract. It's the initial contract that just put him in the minors. It's very un-White Sox to make a $52 million investment on a teenager. And here it is paying off, not just in these eight games, but in what appears to be the future for a guy who has superstar written all over him. So he does well in leadoff. Uh, here's Rick Renteria after the game talking about Luis Robert at leadoff and ends up comparing him to Tim Anderson in the midst of it. Uh, I didn't think his at-bats were bad. I mean, obviously the outcomes uh, were pretty good. Um, his first at-bat, two-pitch, 6-3. Then he just uh, went deep. Was I don't remember if it was the first pitch. He went deep on. Then uh, the single and an RBI double and another double. He did pretty good, James. He did pretty good. I mean, he's always going to be aggressive. Can that work for him at the at the top of the order like that kind of consistently, you feel? James. Timmy's been doing that for a while. What's the difference between Timmy and Louis Robert? Everybody wants Louis Robert at the top. They want to see it. Uh, him and Timmy are actually very similar type of uh, hitters in terms of their approach. Uh, Louis is uh, a young man who's got uh, – a, a, a tremendous amount of strength, actually. And you guys saw that you know, when he doubled in the left center field, he was actually falling away on the breaking ball and uh, was able to get the barrel out one-handed and, and doubled in the left center field. So 
No, they're, 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 both those guys are pretty aggressive. Both the guys I've had at the top are pretty aggressive, but, and we're very, very happy that uh, Louis had the, the uh, production that he had tonight. It's a, it's a positive builder for him. Uh, we'll use it to our advantage, and maybe we can continue to build on it. And as he continues to develop and evolve as a hitter at the major league level, maybe he becomes even more selective as time goes on. But uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, bank on that i think that uh you know taking pitches is more uh, um the consequence of of zoning in and laying off certain pitches which ends up driving pitch counts and that's because guys are going to start saying me you know what maybe i don't want to throw the first pitch down the middle i'm going to throw it off the plate a little bit maybe you get a ball and then before you know it it's two balls and that's that's a byproduct you know i, I think based on balls and, and balls and strikes it's a byproduct of the hitter James Fegan and Rick Renteria with that relationship where via the Zoom, Ricky's like, James, James. Like a disappointed dad. <laughs> You've watched Tim Anderson. It's the same guy. They're the same guy. Um, yeah, Tim is very aggressive. He doesn't walk a lot. Had a uh, 357 on base percentage. Did Tim Anderson last year as he walked 16 times. But 357 will play as long as you, you know, you got to hit well to do it. Luis Robert, um, here's what he did last night in terms of pitches that he saw in the six plate appearances. Do you know this off the top of your head, Sean? Do you know how many pitches he saw in six plate appearances when he went four for six? I don't, but it's probably some stupid number like 10. 10 is exactly right. Saw 10. Um, that homer was on a first pitch fastball. The single in the fourth was on a first pitch curveball. The uh, two out RBI double that Renteria mentioned, where he reached out, he stuck his butt out and reached out and hit a slider to the warning track as he reached out. Amazing. Was on a 1 1 pitch, a slider. So 10 pitches and six plate appearances is not prototypical, but four for six will play. That'll play. And six will play. He got to the plate six times. You want him getting to the plate as many times as possible. Days of him hitting seven are done. They are done. I'm not, you don't have to hit him lead off when Anderson comes back. If you want to put Anderson back there, Mankata had three hits and he's your best player. So right now he is. So go ahead and, and, and leave Moncada there. You have to move Abreu down, assuming his, uh, his ego can take it. Move Encarnacion down a little bit. There's nothing wrong with those guys being five and six instead of three and four. Robert and Eloy probably ought to be three and four for you after Anderson and Moncada. But tell you what, you got, uh, you got enough of those guys you can put them in whatever order you want, and you're going to be pretty good. Um, Robert and Eloy, after the game, did a double zoom, two zooms, wow, together. And um, you'll you'll hear it. It's a little hard to track some of it, but you'll hear the laughter as well as they are they are friends and enjoying themselves. And um, this is this is Robert, Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez in the double zoom last night. Um, the, the question is involved in both of the cuts you're going to hear. 
Eloy, uh, can you answer this and can you ask Louise too? Uh, how much were you guys thinking about the uh, the psycho when you both? Oh had- my god! Oh my god! When we like, I'm down Louise. We not. We just need a triple and uh, the next two bats. And he say, "Why you told me that? I'm gonna focus on triples. I don't want to hit triples. I want to hit the ball good in the barrel." And I say, "Okay, just hit it and hit a triple." And he was mad at me, but we got a four heat game, so it's good. Luis, how did the uh, leadoff spot feel to you? Did it change anything? It seemed like you were just as aggressive as normal, but how, how did it kind of feel for you? As I said before the game, you know, I feel comfortable in that position. I didn't, I didn't have to do anything different. I, I was in that position. I, I bat in that position in Cuba, and I did it last year. That's Eloy laughing as Billy Russo, the translator, shares with you what Luis said. And Eloy said he got in Luis Roberts' head because they he, they both needed the triple for the cycle. And Luis is like, oh, man, no, I just want to hit the ball hard. I just want to hit it on the barrel. Don't get my head. And Eloy said, go ahead, hit it hard in the barrel, and then just get a triple. <laughs> Oh, my God. Just very entertaining. The legend has only grown on Luis Robert. There's a piece on ESPN this week. Includes my own personal favorite comp for Robert from Kenny Williams. Kenny Williams says that when he saw him and now when he watches him, he sees a young Eric Davis. Oh, love that comp. As you know, if you've been listening to the station, listen to the afternoon show, Chris Tannehill has been compiling the comps that we've gotten for Luis Robert from different people as they allow themselves to think of the best five-tool athletes they've ever seen. Roberto Clemente, Willie Mays, Ken Griffey Jr., a mix of uh, Bo Jackson and Andrew Jones is what Joe McEwing said. I like that one. Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens from Jason Benetti. Because that's the thing. The kind of athlete that he is, it's, it's not a typical baseball athlete. But there's some out there. It, let, let me give you this to try and explain what kind of athlete you're dealing with here. Okay? Because you know about the power. You know about um, his ability to put the bat on the ball. This is a fielder's choice. We're going to play a highlight for you. It is a fielder's choice, and it's an attempted double play that Luis Robert hits. Listen to this, and then we'll talk about it. On the ground, a shortstop, and a second double play will not happen. Robert beats it out down the line. It's going to be real tough to turn two against 88. There's not a whole lot of people in baseball that could have beaten that relay because that was hit right at Mondesi. He got it to Lopez quickly, and Robert beat the play. I mean, I think the Royals are astonished the fact that he could beat that. But he did, and the ball wasn't mishandled, wasn't juggled, and he beat it by a full step. He, that's the replay that's the shocker. He beat that easily on what normally is just piece-of-cake double play stuff. I mean, it's routine, people. It is a grounder, not directly to the shortstop, but what, a step? Step and a half 
I, I mean, and not hit like a rocket, but hit pretty damn hard. That is a 6-4-3 double play on just about anybody in baseball. 27 feet per second is the average speed for an MLB ball player. 27 feet per second. If you get 30 feet per second, that means you are truly elite at the highest level. On that play, Luis Robert, 30.8 feet per second. That's his sprint speed. There was a great piece on StatCast uh, on MLB.com about Luis Robert, how he's already a StatCast marvel, okay? And this is the part that jumps out, both to producer Sean Anderson and to myself, is that Robert, with that speed that he runs, is in the 75th percentile or above on the sprint speed leaderboards. So he's better than 75% of all ball players in terms of sprint speed. He's also, in terms of exit velocity, how hard he hits the ball with the bat, he's on the 75th percentile or above on that. He hits the ball harder than 75% of the people in the league. Here is the list of people who did this last year in Major League Baseball. 75th percentile or above in terms of hitting the ball hard and sprinting, okay? Mike Trout, of course. Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Braves. Those are probably the two best all-around players in baseball. Christian Yelich, who's right there in the conversation. Bryce Harper. Javier Baez. Cody Bellinger of the Dodgers. Shohei Otani of the Angels. And, uh, by the way, that guy can pitch, too. That's why people called him the Japanese Babe Ruth. And a guy who doesn't get discussed in this way enough from Colorado, Trevor Story, the shortstop. But think about that. That's, that's the kind of company that Luis Robert is going to keep in baseball if he keeps this up. It's, it's an amazing list of players. And what it really is, is the, is the best full-on athletes in baseball. And Luis Robert is in that mix right away. Absolutely true. 670, the score is where you are. You're listening to Hit and Run couple texts coming in about Robert and about Eloy in that double zoom. This texture says, uh, as a Cubs fan, I am insulted and saddened every time I hear Jimenez highlights and or interviews. I don't know how Jed Hoyer can sleep at night. Terrible trade. Well, Jed and Theo, they, uh, they uh, thought Jose Quintana was going to be John Lester 2.0, and he has not been. By the way, Quintana threw a bullpen yesterday and felt pretty good, apparently. I think 38 pitches, something like that, was able to throw all of his pitches. Felt pretty good. So maybe that is your lefty in the bullpen answer at some point for the Cubs. And this text, I am a 40-year-old grump, but Eloy is an absolute delight. Love everything about him, except his propensity for running into things in left field. Yes, that's got to stop. He knows it. He said the other day that he's 0 for 2 against the wall. He's hit the wall twice, and the wall has defeated him. Wall 2, Eloy nothing is what he said. His personality is so much fun, man. So much fun. And this text. Speaks, the White Sox have a generational talent. I'm so effing excited. Yeah, man, there you go. They didn't have to go out and pay for um, Manny Machado or Bryce Harper. They tried to get Machado and couldn't. Remember that? But anyway, 
They didn't have to hold on to Fernando Tatis. Generational talent. Remember that? But they made a brilliant move in going out and getting Luis Robert, and he is here now, and the whole league is talking about him. It's pretty damn cool. All right. Time to talk about the disaster that is Craig Kimbrell and what David Ross is going to do about the Cubs' closer position and how he's been handling it so far. We'll do that next with you on 670 The Score. Here's the 1-0 pitch to Moran. Driven to deep right center. Trouble. This ball is all the way back, and that is gone for a long home run. This game is not over yet. Colin Moran has just belted his fifth home run of the year. Not a cheapie. Over the 368 marker in right center. And now it's a 4-2 Cubs lead in the ninth inning with one away. Drilled to deep right down the line. Hayward going back. This ball is going to be a home run for Josh Bell. Uh, Not so sweet, that child of ours. Closing. You'd punch me in the face for that one. Um, But that's Craig Kimbrell the other night. Pat Hughes calling it. So Craig gave up those two home runs, and then he got three outs. Unfortunately, the three outs that he got were all hit as hard or harder than those home runs. Gave up five absolute rockets. All the batted balls in play went over 100 miles an hour in exit velocity. After the game, uh, David Ross talked about the curveball, the knuckle curve, that he only threw twice in that appearance. And I know that the previous time out, Kimbrell threw the knuckle curve 15 times and not once did anybody swing at it. Not once. So that led to a conversation of, is Craig Kimbrell tipping his pitches? I think uh, uh, Ross dismissed that yesterday. Is that what you were going to play, Sean? Go ahead. If that's what you I think it's a, a number of things. Um, I don't, we're not looking at the, the tipping scenario quite yet. I think we feel like there's some, some things where they can get him back to where um, he feels a little more comfortable. And, and, you know, there's also a, a, I've talked a lot about the mental capacity that just a little bit of confidence, a little bit of success can, can make a lot of the, the problems go away. And, and, uh, we just trying to find him that, that right kind of work. Um, and that, that right, um, you know, whether it's watching video or, um, having conversations, um, you just, you, you try to continue to, to work through it. He wa- he's frustrated he wants to work through it. He wants to be better. Um, and so we're, we're here to help him and continue to, to move forward. We need him um, to be good if we're going to have, if we're going to have a lot of success. So that's David Ross before the game talking about the right kind of work to help Craig Kimbrell get his confidence. So does that mean he is not the closer anymore? He was asked about that before the game as well. Rossi, if he is working through something right now, you know, like last night you had a cushion that afforded him a chance to get in there and, you know, pump the strikes on. But if you have a save, a one-run game coming up, you know, it, 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 do you hand the ball to him or do you say, hey, you're working through stuff right now. I got to give it to, to Jeffress right now or somebody else. That's a good question, Jordan. I appreciate you asking that. I'm not not sure on that yet, but I'll I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. So David, that, I don't think we're uh, show of support. Um, I don't know how. To Sorry, say. Paul. I didn't hear you. What's that? Are you showing support, or you don't? You're just not sure yet. As far as the closer question. As far as if Craig's the closer. 
um, I, 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 I've had, I'm in the middle of conversations with Craig. So we'll, we'll, we'll have those with him first before, before I talk to you guys, we'll, we'll see where he's at. Uh, see how his, 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 uh, arm feels today. I haven't, I haven't seen him yet today. So, um, see where his arm's at today. See, see if he's available today. Uh, and then we'll go from there. How about that? You hear the pause I've had, I I'm having, man, this is a, it's a tough one. But you know what he has to do, and he knows what he has to do. you got to have a short leash in a season like this. Jed Hoyer talked about that. Theo Epstein told you that a lot of teams are making decisions that go against things they've done their whole lives, that you can't just wait for a guy to get back on track. Can't. Can't afford to in a season like this. So last night, Craig Kimbrell, unused. Uh, Jeremy Jeffress does a great job in an inning and a third in relief of Tyler Chatwood, um, arduous inning in the third, but does a great job. After that, is sitting in the dugout with his arm on ice. And a lot of us watching last night going, hmm, does that mean he's going back out? For a two-inning, a, a two-and-one-third save, a seven-out save, going to get his Goose Gossage on, get his Bruce Suter on. Then Kyle Schwarber hits the two-run homer to make it 4 nothing, and we get Kyle Ryan instead. And Kyle Ryan... Gives up a home run, another one, to Colin Moran, who leads the National League in home runs. This is Colin Moran. All of a sudden, it's uh, four to two. And so here comes Rowan Wick, gets a ground ball that gives up a run, but it is an out. And then Rowan Wick does indeed lock it down for the last out and the save. Rowan Wick would be my choice as the closer right now. Uh, because he's got... A real good fastball, and he is a pitch lab creation who figured it out two off seasons ago and was real good last year with a a curveball, a 12 to 6 curveball that looks just like the four seam fastball. They work together well. He's shown that he has the moxie to handle himself in those situations. And he also is he's just smart enough. To, to be the guy for that role. You can't think too much and get over-analytical in that role. You can't just get up all in your own head. Just got to go out there and do it and not let it get to you. So I think Rowan Wick is the guy. Jeffress has done the job before, but I, th- I think Jeffress is, is a little better suited at this point in his career if he can refine it. He's not good last year for the Brewers, but has been very good at different times. He's been a closer. I think he's best suited to be like your Pedro Strofe. Very uh, dependable, um, strong, strong-willed, consistent, and trust him to get out of a big situation. You know you need multiple guys like that, and maybe you do close with them every once in a while. That's fine. But to me, Rowan Wick is the guy. After the game, David Ross was asked about Craig Kimbrell and how it worked out with no Craig Kimbrell last night. And Does that mean Rowan Wick is not the closer or what? Here's Ross after the game. Uh, I would I would call that a work in progress. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be daily with him, daily conversations. He threw a, a a pretty intense bullpen today, trying to trying to work out some things. So want to stay away from him tonight. But yeah, I I don't I don't want to you know divulge that too often before because that is kind of a competitive advantage if the other team knows a guy might be down or not. And and so I'm trying to tread lightly with giving you guys as much information as I can, uh, and also keeping that competitive edge. As far as if Craig's the closer. Um, 
That's well chosen, Sean. That's a, a snippet of the drop from before the game. As far as if Craig's the closer. Um, that tells you as a lot. As far as right if there. Craig's the closer. Um. <laughs> uh, and afterwards, there's how Ross is handling it. He's saying day-to-day, unavailable last night because he did a pretty strenuous bullpen working on some things. I wonder what they were working on. Mechanically, and maybe some stuff. I hope and pray it was the change-up. You're going to have to get the change-up in. Here's here's my, my theory and my thoughts on Craig Kimbrell in a nutshell, okay? Is that he always was a guy who existed with that great four-seam fastball that he'd throw at the top of the zone, and it had terrific carry or ride, where it, it's the absence of drop. It looks like it's rising, and guys would swing under it. And he had a knuckle curve that was vicious that he could control that would look like it's going to the same place as the fastball and then it would just drop off the shelf and go a little bit left. And good luck, everybody. Lights out. Hall of Fame track. Unhittable. Crazy confidence. uh, Unbelievable strikeout per nine inning ratio. Dominance. Started to lose that fastball a little bit while the rest of the league also caught up. There's a lot more guys who throw that kind of pitch and throw it as hard as Craig throws it now. He doesn't throw it at 99 or 100 anymore, and it doesn't quite have that same kind of ride. You saw it last year as he still was throwing that fastball and keeping it up in the zone, trying to throw it high in the zone. But he gave up a lot of homers. Going into the 21st of September last year against the St. Louis Cardinals, Kimbrell had already given up seven homers. It's more than he ever gave up in a season in his life. And remember, this was half a season he played last year. And then against the Cardinals that day, against the Cardinals that day, in the ninth inning, with a lead, Kimbrell came in to face Yadier Molina and Paul DeYoung. And this happened. Yadier Molina leads it off, hits a high fly ball, left field. Back toward the wall is Castellanos, and this is a home run. Unbelievable. On the first pitch by Craig Kimbrell, Yadier Molina ties the game with a home run to left center. And just like that, it's back to even, tied 8-8. to You remember that. That was the first pitch. And then there was another pitch right after it. And here's a deep drive to left, and the Cardinals are going to take the lead. Paul DeYoung with a rocket to left center. St. Louis leads 9-8. to eight. As far as if Craig's the closer. Um. <laughs> That's Kimbrell last year, September 21st. Two pitches. You know what those pitches were? High fastballs. Especially the one to Molina is exactly where Craig needs to live, where he has lived in his career if he's the old Craig Kimbrell. And you can see the look on his face, and you've seen it now a bunch of times, like, what the hell? You're not supposed to be able to do that? I remember that so clearly, that moment of like, man, that that is bread and butter stuff. And Molina, I guess, knew it was coming. That's a big part of it but hit it out of the park. And then DeYoung does the same thing on another high fastball. It's just not special anymore. If you were watching the other night, all five of those rockets that Kimbrell gave up, and certainly the two homers, were fastballs at the bottom of the zone, right, just there, belt high, 
right in the sweet spot for a lot of guys. Bottom of the zone, fastball. Oh, give it to me. I'll hit that with my uppercut swing and hit it high and drive it out. That's what baseball is these days. He's not throwing that fastball up in the zone where he needs to live. Up or above and out of the zone. He's not. Does not have the confidence to throw it there right now because he knows it's not as good as it used to be. Dude is broken. And when you can't control the knuckle curve, well, on top of it, then you get the absolute disaster that he's in the middle of right now. He needs to reinvent. He has to learn how to pitch. When Lee Smith, and Bruce Levine and I were talking about this yesterday, when, when Lee Smith, when Goose Gossage, when, I mean, so many great relievers who threw 99, 100, and then eventually did not, and they kept going. How did they keep going? They adjusted, they adapted, they learned how to pitch, how to use deception more, how to use sequence more, how to mess with timing, how to mess with eye level, all while maintaining the confidence that it takes to do that job. I don't know if Craig has it. I don't know. He's got to. I hope they're working with him on reinvention. It's either, these are your choices. Reinvent and add that damn change up into the mix so you show a different eye level. You show a different, um, a different look, and you make guys worry about the timing. You make them think about it. Get in their heads a little bit. They own you right now. This league owns you. So you have to change, and you have to adapt. Adapt or die. So that's your, those are your choices. You can do that, or... You can, at the very least, just go back to trying to be the best version of yourself you can and throw the fastball where you need to and control the knuckle curve like you need to and just try to be a two-pitch pitcher like you've been. But if that's the case, I, I, I wouldn't want that closing for me. I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. So I don't know exactly what they're working on in that long bullpen yesterday. You know that I've asked everybody involved about the changeup. Jed Hoyer says, I'd love to see him throw that. Love to. Kimbrell this year, uh, before the season, was more open to it than he's ever sounded in his life. I don't know. He's thrown a changeup for 11 consecutive springs, always working on it, but only thrown four in the regular season in his life. Needs to throw it. Needs to mix it in. Needs to reinvent. I hope he does. I hope he can. But I don't know if he can. And in the meantime, he can't close, people. He cannot close. Speaks to and just looking at uh, last year, only uh, of the nine home runs he gave up, uh, seven of them were off his fastball. And it seems like that trend's continued, like you, you said. So 11 of the, uh, yeah, so nine of the 11 home runs he's given up in his Cubs career all have been off his fastball. Yeah, it's, it, it's brutal. That's uh, it's good research there. I mean, he, he only throws two pitches, but that's the one. And it's just not, it doesn't move like it used to. And it's just not special. So that feeling of, oh man, I can't hit this guy. That's gone. It's absolutely gone. A texter says, Kimbrell's inability to reinvent his pitching style will ultimately keep him out of the Hall of Fame. What a shame. His time is running out. If this continues, he won't get another contract. He'll most likely bounce from team to team and be a middle guy. It's possible. I mean, he still might get into the Hall of Fame based on the run that he had. He still might. The counting stats won't be there in terms of total saves, but strikeouts per nine? 
He's number one all time at a certain threshold. I think it's 500 innings is the threshold. For anybody who's ever thrown 500 innings, Kimbrel strikeout per nine is, is, is number one all time. So it's, uh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. We've got lineups coming in. We have uh, Cubs baseball coming up right here on the score at 1220. Our Zach Zabin will begin a one-hour pregame. Ron Coomer, part of the broadcast team, is going to join me at 11 o'clock. Very much looking forward to that. We'll talk about Kimbrel. We'll talk about the offense and everything that's happening. Because remember, it's going really, really well. The Cubs starting pitchers have the best ERA in baseball. Excuse me, second best behind the Rockies. But overall, the starting pitchers, it's a 2.30 ERA. Amazing. So that bullpen with the dead last ERA of 9.75, more than two runs worse than the 29th ranked Cincinnati Reds, they're surviving it right now. Think about it. Both of the times that um, it's gotten hairy and gotten scary, one with Kimbrell the other night, and then last night with Kyle Ryan, they're both wins. Both still wins. It's 670 to score. It's hit and run. I want to ask you how much you would have to be paid in order to do a job that someone's going to do, I believe, today in baseball. We'll talk about that next. Ron Coomer, top of the hour, right here on 670 The Score. As far as if Craig's the closer. Um... Get onto the bus that's going to take you back to Beelzebub. To get on the bus i i don't i don't want to get on the marlins covid bus i really don't soul coughing thank you sean anderson because here's what's happening the the marlins have been in philadelphia they have been quarantined at the rittenhouse hotel which i'm sure is a thrill for all the guests of the rittenhouse hotel and of course all the people the essential workers at the rittenhouse hotel as the Marlins have been there. They have had 18 players now test positive for the coronavirus. And the Department of Public Health in Philadelphia has confirmed the report from ESPN that a bus has been hired by the Marlins to drive the infected players to Miami. That's a 1,200 mile trip from Center City, Philadelphia to Miami. That's the infected players, and I assume any other infected staffers, as driven by whom? I don't know. How much do you have to pay a bus driver to drive 18 corona-positive baseball players 1,200 miles? I mean, my God, that is, there's no way that whatever bus company is hired is just like, all right, going through, let's see who's available. Uh, Jimmy will make that trip. And you, you call him up. Hey, Jimmy, you're free, right? For the next week, your next one in line. Yeah. You're going to be driving the, um, the Marlins to Miami. Uh, say what? Excuse me. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> Pardon me. It's going to be 18 guys. Also 18 and a half hours as well. <laughs> You've got 18 positive Corona tests, uh, 18 and a half hours. Here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to enclose your entire seated area in plexiglass. No, that's not enough. I'm sorry. Um, we're going to give you uh, the best quality mask possible. And uh, tell you what, we'll install a separate entrance for you. 
you can use the front entrance and all the other guys will use the back entrance. How about that? All right, maybe, maybe. Tell you what, we'll build a wall between the first row of the bus and the rest of the bus. What kind of wall? Could you describe the wall you're going to build for me? Uh, drywall. Would drywall be good enough? Okay, We're building we a beautiful wall. A big one that really works. <laughs> Top to bottom. Seriously, what do you need to say yes to that gig? Jimmy, yeah, this is the bus company. Um, this is uh, the, the dispatcher. Uh, and uh, yeah, you're going to be driving the Marlins uh, 18 hours, 18 players, 18 hours. I'm going to need a little bonus. And then you go to the Marlins if you're the bus company and you say, you're going to have to pay us a little bit more because we're going to have to completely disinfect the bus when we deliver your guys. And we're asking the bus driver, we need hazard pay. An extra five grand? Does that get it done? If you're a bus driver? I hold out for more. Those players have to get there somehow. I mean, maybe they'll call around to other bus companies and find a better deal. But my God, I, I don't think there's a number that you could pay. Texters at 312-644-6767. I would do it for a million dollars. Give me a mask and a million dollars. <laughs> I'm glad you asked for the mask. That's a great job. Come on, Speaks. Keanu Reeves is driving that bus. <laughs> it's speed three. COVID virus. It was just COVID. Cans. They were just cans. This texter was on it as well. Nicholas Cage's next film, COVID Bus, the story of the Marlins' trip home. <laughs> I like this idea. MLB ought to make Don Mattingly drive the bus from Philadelphia to Miami. I'm sorry, Donnie Baseball. But yeah, I wish you had led a little bit stronger and kept those guys out of going out as they did. Although there's a report this morning from uh, Kenny Rosenthal, I guess it's last night, that a source within MLB said that the outbreak resulted from a breach of the sports health and safety protocols, that MLB investigators do not believe that nightlife was the root of the problem that led to 20 infections on the team, 18 of them among the players. The failure to use masks, the players gathering in the hotel without masks, whether it's in the hallway or people's rooms, if you really want to know what could have been done better by the club, that's really where it lies. That's what one source with knowledge of the investigation said. So players gathering in the hotel without masks. That means hotel bar? Why, why is the hotel bar open when the players are there? And why is the hotel bar open in general? Unless it's got an outside part? I mean, are social distancing regulations not going on in hotel bars? In Philadelphia at the Rittenhouse Hotel. Actually, it was in Atlanta that it happened. The league is aware of reports and rumors that players went to a bar or another establishment outside their hotel in Atlanta. It is possible such events occurred. I love this. Investigators are always somewhat dependent on interviewees' honesty. <laughs> of course they are. Was that the Either bus way, passing outside? What's that? Oh, yeah, it's a freight train outside my door. No, was it the COVID bus is what I asked. Uh, it could be. It could be. A COVID positive driver. That's what, that's what that bus company needs. Hi, I've got a COVID positive driver. A separate ventilator system. Even though you might have a wall that you're going to build, they're still breathing the same air. Have to have a separate ventilation system. 
From Peoria Dan, Speaks, my company, Peoria Production Shop, we supply vinyl enclosures to protect school bus drivers. We will donate one for this poor guy. <laughs> See, that's the thing. All right, well, hopefully they have that. They're a bus company. They should have vinyl enclosures to protect school bus drivers. Everybody gets their own rental car and drives themselves down. Here's one. Uh, 20 grand. A wall and a mask, and I would do it. $20,000, a drywall. I'll need a separate ventilation system now that I've read that text. This text, I'm a retired bus driver. No way, no matter how much. No way. 670, the score is where you are. The bus will take you back to Beelzebub. Unless they can find someone who's infected as well. Let the infected all drive together. Ugh, gruesome. In the meantime, though, I think uh, baseball's going to keep going, people. The Phillies have no positive tests for a third consecutive day. The Marlins that are in Philadelphia, who have remained quarantined at the hotel, are going to play on Tuesday. Along with some new guys. They got some new guys. The Marlins have acquired eight new players. Eight new players. They need 17. So maybe they'll go down to their farm uh, and get eight or nine. But they've acquired guys like the catcher Wilkin Castillo, 36-year-old free agent. The infielder Logan Forsythe, 33-year-old free agent with no minor league options ready. James Hoyt traded from the Indians for cash considerations. My favorite is Pat Venditti. You know who that is, the 35-year-old, the switch pitcher, the ambidextrous pitcher, is one of the eight signees by the Miami Marlins and will probably be on that team when they resume, if they resume, on Tuesday night. What an insane, insane year this really is. The Cubs are rolling. The offense looks great. The starting pitchers look great. Let's talk about why, among other things with one of the nicest guys and the best in this business and in our game. Yeah, I use our game. I heard it from him. It's really his game. Ron Coomer joins us next right here on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 